Part of the reason we do that exercise isn't, you know, obviously we didn't pray. You might not have got a chance to introduce people that you're with, per se, but it's a, it's a practice of like, we each have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, and the Holy Spirit will teach you something really before I bring to you what the Holy Spirit taught me. So hopefully even with that one thing that leaped out to you, you know, or in your group, you got a few nuggets of truth. And in all honesty, that will probably might stick with you in that little discussion more than what you might hear from me. So that's good. That's the Holy Spirit pointing out something for you specifically. Um, so yes, uh, the first thing I, the first question I have from this passage, and I think it goes with the passage, is um, can you guys put up that first part of the passage, the first half in 1 John three sixteen? And the first question I have is like, what is real love, right? What is, what is love? I think that's a popular 90s song. Yes. I thought about having Bruce cue that song up, but Night at the Roxbury, if anybody remembers that movie. I don't think I've seen it, but it's an SNL skit. Um, but what is real love? Um, love is one of those words that we throw around a lot in our society. Like, you guys know that there are some words, like, obviously there's some words where you would never even say, right? Like, I'm going to be very cautious about using this word because it's a, either a bad word or X, Y, and Z. And, like, love is one of those overused words that maybe we should use some cautious when we throw it out, right? Like, maybe we shouldn't say, I love Taco Bell. You know, like maybe we should say, I just like their food. Maybe we shouldn't say, like, I love, you know, queso. You know, it's like, do you? Or like, you know, I know that some of you, when you, what's that? I know, I'm just got Mexican on the brain. It's not because I ate Taco Bell for the first time ever and regretted it on Friday. Um, that might have been. Uh, <laughs> but we say, I love coffee. I love this. I love that. And love is just so much bigger than that. Amen? I mean, I know that when you all were like 12 years old and got your first girlfriend at school and you said you loved her, and that really didn't mean love as you thought it did. Um, but we have a mess, uh, kind of a lower view of love in our society, and that's why marriages are struggling a little bit. Because when we tell our spouse, I love you, it may not mean we, we may not really mean what God wants it to mean. It may mean why the church is not thriving as it should be at times in America, because we aren't truly loving our neighbors like we're supposed to, um, because we say the word love, but it doesn't carry the biblical weight that it should carry. We say the word love, but it just doesn't carry the same weight that God wants it to carry in our lives. Because when you say, I will love my brother, what does that mean? And when we say, I love my wife, and a lot of, when I do marriage counseling, it's really just saying, do you love your wife? Yes. Do you want to do what the Bible says and lay your life down for her? Yes. Will you give up this one personal selfish thing? No. Then you don't love your wife, as it says you're supposed to. Does that make sense? Like Kevin said, he heard some, somebody say once, I'll die for my wife, but I won't do the dishes. Well, I don't know if we know what love is. 
Um, and it says in the verse, in the first verse, this is love. Oh yeah, if that's your kid's tag, you might need to get your child. Um, this is love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you and me, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Laying down your life means putting another before yourself. So, on the screen it will say, real love is laying down your life for the object of your love. All right? I think it's coming. Next slide, please. No, you're good. I just didn't know if the kids thing is messing you up. Um, no, yep, yep. Okay, there you go. Real love is laying down your life for the object of your love. So it's your husband, your wife, your neighbor, your friends here. And um, um, so laying down your life is really like three things. It's laying down your life is putting their needs before your own. It's putting their needs before your own. Laying down your life is humbling yourself. I think this is also the next slide too. Sorry. Okay, there you go. Laying down your life is putting their needs before your own. Laying down your life is humbling yourself. And laying down your life is giving your time, money, and possessions. And really, when we talk about laying down your life, everybody says, I'll take a bullet for the person I love. But do we really swallow our pride? Do we really swallow our, like, our selfishness? Do we really truly put the person we love before ourselves? And, and, and who are we commanded to love? The Bible says we're able to command to love our spouse, our children, our neighbors, our fellow believers, and even our enemies, right? Like that's the object of our love is laying down our life for all those folks. In marriage, churches, parenting, it's not saying, but what about me? But what about me? You know, I, I think sometimes in churches, in marriages, in society, we might say we love our brother, we love our enemies, but what we're really saying is, what about me and my needs? And when you come to church, and if all you're thinking about is, who said hi to me? Who is, who is taking care of me? I don't like the, the coffee that we had today. And what about me and my needs? What about me? And that's not love. And if we go into marriage, everything, and marriage is just such a good example of Christ's love for the church. If we could get our marriages right, we could get this church right as well, is like, we don't go into marriage and be like, what about me and my needs? Jesus says, die to your needs. Amen? And it's like, well, she's not doing her part. Doesn't matter. You, you have to do your part out of obedience to Christ. Well, he, if he was a better husband, I would do this. It's like, no, it's not about you. And this is why I truly believe like having children is so sanctifying. And God like, if you have kids or, you know, it's a, it's a sanctifying experience, okay? Because, like, when you have a newborn baby and you look at them, you can't say, what about me? Did you ever think that I need sleep? Do you ever think that I'm hungry? You're always whining. Like, what's wrong? Like, why don't you think about me? Babies and kids don't give a, don't... <laughs> Babies and kids don't give you any love back until a certain age. <laughs> Is that true to an extent, honey? Am I blown that proportion? I think I remember it was like Father's Day, like, like when my kids were like six and they actually said something. I know they meant it. 
And I'm like, oh, God, thank you. I needed that. Because they don't do that. Like, kids are just little balls of selfishness that you pour into and pour into and get nothing back in return except for a pile of dirty diapers. But we do it because it's true love and it's edifying us and sanctifying us. Now, I'm not saying if you've never had kids that you don't know what that's like. I'm just saying that from my experience, that really edified me to what true love is. Because you never look at that baby and say, did you ever think that I need to sleep tonight? You need to, you need to go back to bed. Or like, what about my needs? Do you care about my needs at all? Because no, the baby doesn't care about your needs at all. They don't, they don't ask. Um, true, true, what this passage is saying is true Christians understand love. If you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've truly accepted that, you have a firm grasp on what love is. Because if you want to know what love is, go home and rent the passion of the Christ and just watch that actor portraying Jesus take a beating, getting punched in the face, getting spit on for the people that he loves and him not retaliating but laying down his life for those people. If you want to think about love, we just go back to the cross. We go back to the cross. Taking a beating for those of you who, who, who you love. Getting denied by your best friend. You know, one of Jesus' closest, closest friends was Peter. And Peter just stabbed him in the back, basically, on that night. And so Jesus, not, and Jesus knew that. And so Jesus, all your friends abandon you. You get slapped, you get punched, but you still go to the cross because you love them and you know it's not about you. If we could just get in our head that true love of loving each other here at J-Road, loving our spouses, is not about you. It's about pouring into them out of our obedience to God. Amen? Okay. It's all humility. It's all humility. There is nothing selfish in love. It doesn't look out for yourself. Love is always taking the high road. Love is always forgiving. Love is laying down everything. When it says lay down your life, it means everything for those that you're called to love. So he builds this out, and then he forms like a test, okay? And in and, First and John 2, 17, it says this. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Okay? So he goes from this very big, like you lay down your life for your friends to like you need to help them with, with material needs if they have it. Okay? So the first big point is this, is real love moves us to action. If you say you love somebody, it should always move you to action. It should always move you to action. Doing something, not just saying, but doing if your brother or sister is in need and do nothing, how can God's love be in that person? You know, he goes to saying you ought to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters, which is the utmost extreme example, to then he lowers it to more attainable, to like, hey, if somebody has a need that they can't meet, meet it for them. Write them a check. Give them some money. Help them out with a generator. Like, do something. And, and, and let, let your love be more than just words. Let it be with actions. So then I want to build out this one point because God keeps speaking to me about this, but it says those who have material possessions. 
those who have material possessions. And he's not just talking to the richest 10% of J-Road, okay? Like the wealthiest 10%, he's not just talking to those people. And sometimes we can interpret this verse as, hey, like, if you're rich, you need to help people. And then everybody's like, yeah, one day I'll be rich and I'll help people. It's like, no, 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 no. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Um, he's talking to you. So my question is, is, here's a good litmus test if you are rich. Because I, you know, I have some friends that are, you know, rich. I have some friends that aren't rich and everyone in between. But one thing I notice, maybe friends or family that have a lot of money, like more than I can imagine, they always say, they always like act like they're broke, right? Like sometimes they always act like they're broke. And I'm like, you make six figures, you make literally double what I make, and I have five kids, and you live by yourself, and you just are acting like you're poor all the time. <laughs> like, I know, and it's like, and it's like, why do we do that? And if I were to ask all of you, are you rich? I'm probably sure that only like 5% of us would say, yes, I'm rich, okay? Now, here's a good test, and I believe if God is helping you assess whether you're rich or not, Okay. Do you have a place to sleep, um, whether an apartment or a house or a a mobile home of some kind? Do you have a place to stay that's warm, okay? Yeah. Yes. Everybody has a place to stay, right? Here, for the most part. I know we do have some homeless folks, but God's taking care of them too. But do you have a place to stay? Do you have food every night where you are not like going to bed starving because you just don't have any food. Most of your food taken care of. Yes. Okay. You have a place to stay. You have food. Do you have um, adequate clothing needs met where you are just, just have stuff to wear when it's cold out? You have coats and hats and stuff like that? Yes. Okay. That is like the baseline of God is asking, are you a rich people? is you have food, you have shelter, you have clothing. And so, yes, we are a very rich people, but here in America, we are like major, major rich compared to the whole scope, the scope of the world. If you have one vehicle, you are in the top 5% of the whole world that runs. But we don't see that. We see it as like being rich is like we have brand new cars, or we like to go on vacations, or we spend things on extra things like electric scooters and, you know, absorbing some amounts of fun toys and things like that. And God's like, those things are great and they're not sinful, but I've taken care of you and given you blessings on blessings, and how have you used it for my glory? You are rich. You are rich. And in, in America, a lot of times, we live off of debt, right? Our credit cards just get racked up and racked up. If, if we have a house that's good, but we get a raise at work, the first thing we do is try to find a bigger house and try to get a bigger mortgage, right? And if we want a boat, what do we do? Hey, this is only like $300 a month, right? And so everything, every dollar we get gets turned into stuff. And so we're up to our eyeballs in debt. And so we really actually can't help anybody, because we have so much debt in our lives. You know, I had a friend, this is a while back, but I had a friend, he got like $600 raise at work. And some of us, if you got a $600 a month raise at work, $600 a month, you know, like who knows what we think about that and each person do his own. But, but I said, man, like how is things different? And he, and he went out and got a brand new vehicle. And you know what his payment was? 
$600 a month. <laughs> it just got, it's gone. So the things he struggled with and he hoped for is now gone. And, he, and now it's just a truck, the $60,000 truck. And I'm like, are we so much in debt that we literally can't help people when we see a need arise? Are we living paycheck to paycheck so much that when we see a brother and sister in need, like this passage says, and we have material possessions, but we are so strapped we can't help anybody? Now, some of us legit are on hard times, and God understands that. It's talking about us who have the means that just got up and aren't using him for his glory and maybe up to our eyeballs in debt. And then so that's something good to think about. Some of you are going to be getting raises this year. Some of you are, you know, maybe just different things. Like, it's okay to have a house. I'm not saying a mortgage is bad. I'm not saying having a car is bad. But are you constantly living outside of your means and not able to help people? Like, how can you use that to help, to just have room to give? And also, it's worth noting that this passage is specifically talking about Christians taking care of other Christians, all right? It says, if you see a brother or sister in need. So that is people here today, like part of J-Road. Like, we got to make sure we're helping these folks, people in our missional communities, um, people that are just a part of our J-Road body. We should be taking care of first and foremost. This passage is not talking about the person on the, the corner um, that there is places in God's Word that talks about that, but this passage we're studying today is just about helping your brothers and sisters is in the utmost importance, and, it's, and we should be doing that here. When we see a need here at church, we should be moved to compassion. Who needs a meal? Um, if you're at your missional community and somebody says, hey, my car's transmission just went out, and I don't know how we're going to pay for it, the, really the missional community should come together and try to support that need right? They should say, hey, we're all going to pitch in $100, and we're going to try to get this thing fixed. Even if it doesn't meet the whole need, that's what the missional community should be doing, right? And we've seen that happen. I mean, one of the missional communities last year paid for somebody's furnace, and it was awesome, and it was good. Um, that's taking care of each other when we hear about a need. And we see this theme throughout Scripture. I'm just going to read James chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. And it says this, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so we shouldn't just be about words, but we should be about actions. I'm going to skip that next passage, guys, up there, and go to 1 John 2.18. And it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. So I have an encouragement for you today, too, about words and actions. And this is for everybody, so I want everybody to listen. And I really want you to try to do this. If somebody comes to you and shares a prayer request at church, try your hardest to say, can I pray for you right now? Because that is one way we're not like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for that, you know, see ya. It's like, what? why did we just do that? Like, we have an opportunity to approach God's throne right here in the aisles or out by the bathrooms or by the kids' ministry space. We have an opportunity to approach God's throne right then and there with that person, holding their hand, praying for their need, and we say, I'll pray for you later. 
And I don't know if you about me, but when I used to do that, I forgot half the time. Because Sunday morning's like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I'll pray for that. Okay. And it's like, man, I forgot. And so being about, not being about words, but being about actions, okay? So when you see somebody have a request, pray for them right then and there. And if we see 30, 40 people after church, before church, bowing in prayer, we see a group over there praying, we see a group out in the lobby, a group out in the, you know, parking area, if we see people praying, that is awesome. If I see two guys praying in the bathrooms, I'm going to say, praise God. Just not while they're at the urinal at the same time. All right, like, they're off somewhere else. All right, nobody thought that was funny. All right, I'll just move on. Um, but praying for people, seeing everybody pray everywhere is what the church should be doing. And it's good. It's good. So if somebody's sick, bring them a meal just drop some groceries off at their house. If somebody has a car repair, offer to pay it as a missional community as we talked about. Love moves us to action. Love moves us to action. I'm going to pause right there, and I'm going to wrap it up. But I want you to think about this. Many times we talk ourselves out of helping a brother and sister in need because we try to assess if it's a legit need or not, and I think that's true. Like, right? Like, if, if somebody's car is broken down, it's a legit need. But somebody's like, I don't have any food. We could bring them groceries. But many times we get bogged down of like, is this help going to be the help that they need? The best thing to do is pray about it and to put that in God's hands. Because if you help somebody and they squander it, that's between them and the Lord. Amen? If I like, if there's somebody in the corner, and if I give them five bucks or something, if they spend that on something nefarious, that's between them and the Lord. Now, Oftentimes, I will, we will buy like granola bars and keep them in our car. So if we see somebody, we could at least give them something to eat without giving them cash because I think that's healthy anyway. But a lot of times we get bogged down of like, are they using this for good? Is this, and I'm not going to help. It's like, it's better to err on the side of grace. It's better to err on the side of grace. Love moving us to action and us in church taking care of one another. And that's why I think things like the J-Road table, is one meal a month to share with each other, a group of six to seven people, and getting to know people is so vitally important. Because how can we love one another if we don't know each other? Does that make sense? How can we love each other well if we do not know each other? So that's why it's important. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this word. And God, uh, such a good word. You've blessed us so much, God. We have more than we ever need. Help us just get back to being hungry and thirsty for God's word, for prayer, for being in your presence, and just being content with what we have so we can help others. Lord, help our lives be like that. God, I pray that J-Road is a place that is seen by our love. That when people think about J-Road, they think about love. And when people's experience here, they experience love. When they walk in this place, they just feel the presence of love. Not judgment, not condemnation, not, not anything, God, but welcome and love. And I pray that people here find such deep, meaningful friendships here. That it could, we could build each other up and sustain each other for the rest of our lives. And we care for each other well. 
So God, we pray that we put this message into practice this week. In Jesus' name, amen.